0: Once again, I wanna say thanks for being with us as we start the new year, we're also starting that series that I mentioned called Not Without Hope. And I guess maybe the baseline for us, the foundation of where we begin our time together is to think about a definition of hope. And in its simplest, maybe purest form is that hope is the spiritual ability to imagine a better future. Spiritual ability to imagine a better future. So if that's what hope is, How does hope work? Um, Hope is us living out in the present, right? The present day where we are, looking backwards towards the past, right? And as we look backwards towards the past, we attach meaning to events. So in the present, we look back to the past. And as we look back to the past, it helps us imagine what a better future could look like. So three things, let's remember these, right? Past, present, future. Past, who I was, present, who I am, future, who, I, um, who I'm gonna be, who I will be as we look forward to this idea of bringing about gospel hope. So what happens in our lives is that we're living out things in the present. And as we think about the future, we automatically default to our past, to what has happened to us. So we think about past life events and what happens is we kind of throw the, the challenge flag, right? The red flag you see football coaches throw on the sidelines and we look back at the past and we look at um, events that have happened to us, things that we've experienced, and we look at them differently, right? Upon further review, we go back in our past, we attach meaning to the things that have happened to us. We think about those things in the present. And as we think about those things, it helps us imagine how our future could be different. It gives us something to hope towards and to look forward to. I'll give you uh, maybe a modern present day example uh, that this could be helpful. In a lot of ways, uh, the pandemic that we've been through killed everyone's hope. Um, people have struggled to look forward to imagine a better future. Why is that? Well, we experienced the events of the pandemic live, but we really didn't have a past to look backwards to, although everyone had a best friend who was an epidemiologist right during, uh, during that time. So everybody thought they had all the right information. But as we move forward, all of the experts and all of our friends who said this or said that, um, we didn't really have strong alignment between what we were experiencing in the present, what was happening and what we were always told uh, maybe, uh, or what was predicted that was gonna happen. And so the dissonance between those two things, because we didn't really have anything in the past to rely on, it really, it caused people to, to struggle to imagine a better future. Um, there were experiences that we had along the way Um, And we just got so much information and probably a lot of misinformation um, along the way. Uh, They say, this person said, my friend who's a biologist or who's a whatever says, this is how maybe it happened somewhere else at some other point in history. So this is going to, but when there wasn't alignment in all those things, and we kind of had, you know, even in, in Christendom, in Christian world, a lot of people um, were, more discipled during that time period by social media than sola scriptura, if I could say it uh, that way. People really, their basis, their foundation for thinking, instead of it being truth and the scriptures, instead of that being their grid, it became, you know, Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and things. They were more discipled by social media than they were necessarily by God's word in that period. And it just caused this this distance. And because of that, we couldn't imagine a better future. How are we going to How are we gonna get out of this? And even today, even still, uh, the events of this week, you know, we watched um, Monday night. If you were watching Monday night football and you're watching the Bengals and the Bills game, you know, you've got uh, Damar Hamlin who collapses um, on the field and and goes into cardiac arrest. Then all of a sudden there are questions that immediately just start popping up still in relation to the pandemic. It just became hard to imagine a better future. Well, the good news for us uh, the big idea for this series is that Jesus is the source of enduring hope. We're gonna say that week after week after week, that Jesus, he is the source of enduring hope. And hope is the subject of a letter that Paul, uh, maybe the greatest Christian who's ever lived, that he wrote to the church of the Thessalonians in the New Testament. And so we're gonna start out 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse one. If you've got a copy uh, of the scriptures, you can turn over there and I'll start reading. It starts this way. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace uh, to you. Maybe uh, the best translation here is to, uh, would be to translate it this way, to all who belong to God, the father, and the Lord Jesus Christ in the church um, at Thessalonica. Now the reason that's important, I think is because um, it is critical for you and I, as we think about moving into a new year, as we start thinking about hope, it is critical for us to understand to whom we belong. One of the core values of our church is spiritual intimacy. If you remember, we talk about them like in the acronym GRASP, the five fingers um, on a hand, and the S in GRASP is spiritual intimacy. We define that by saying, we are His. Now, we're modern people, intelligent, educated people. And we like to think things like, well, I don't belong to anybody. I'm, I'm my own person. And we start a new year. People are saying things like, well, I wanna be the best version of myself in 2023. In and I think Paul would say, that's great. Um, but the best version, the healthiest version of yourself is to live with the foundation of understanding that you belong to God, that God is your creator, but not just your creator, he is also your father, your perfect heavenly father, and a perfect heavenly father who wants the best for his children. So he gives them gifts. He gives us gifts. What are the gifts? Paul names two of them right out of the gate. He says, grace to you and peace. Grace and peace, two incredible, incredible concepts. Think about grace. Um, Two kinds of grace where there's common grace and whether you're a Christian or not, a believer or not, we all experience common grace, right? The sun comes up uh, every morning. Uh, You automatically breathe uh, oxygen on repeat. You don't have to worry about that. That's just one of those things that happens. Uh, The greatest need for the ecosystem of the world, the ecosystem right of your human body is what? Water, water just falls from the sky for us. God sends it to us in the rain. There is common grace that everyone experiences. But then there's also what we would uh, term special grace. Special grace is the reality that God sent his son, Jesus, left heaven and came to earth to die on a cross, to be crucified, to pay the penalty for our sins. And that special grace is unique to people who choose to bring their life into alignment with God and receive that from God. Now, when you receive that special grace, from God, then you experience peace. Uh, the scriptures are really clear that we are born into this world, and we are—we're uh, God's enemies, and we hate to hear that. And I—I get I, I, you don't—I'm not God's enemy. That's how—that's the default mode of the human heart, how we're born into this world. Romans chapter five verse ten says, "If—if um, uh, if when you were uh, born into the world, right? We, if, if when we were God's enemies pre-salvation." we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And so what happens is Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, dies on a cross, crucified, pays the penalty for your sins and my sins. And when we bring our lives into alignment with God, we receive peace. On the cross, Jesus essentially makes a peace treaty um, with God. And the terms of that peace treaty are that he pays the price for us so that we can have freedom, so that we can essentially raise the white flag uh, of surrender, come and bring our lives into alignment with God. And when you and I come to understand that we have this eternal peace with God, that our eternity is settled, what that peace with God does is it gives us then peace as we look at the circumstances in our lives, the difficult, tough things that you and I face along the way In the world, we have a greater peace as we face those things because our eternity is settled because we know that God is with us in everything that we face. Two great concepts, grace and peace. Now, Paul planted this church right around AD 50. So we're a couple of decades after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. You can go back to Acts chapter 17 if you want and read about the planting of this church at Thessalonica. It was a coastal city uh, it was a financial giant. It was the capital city of Macedonia, very important uh, place as the capital city, and, and quite frankly, very similar to uh, Columbus, to where uh, to where we live. It was a city with a lot of influence that needed um, that needed a church to come together. And one of the interesting things, and I want you to just tuck this away for later on. The message we'll come back to it, but one of the interesting things that Acts chapter 17 says is that. The initial group or a big part of the initial group of the converts uh, of the Thessalonian church were Jewish. They had come out of the synagogue, out of synagogue life, they were converted um, to Christianity and they made up a large corpus of the Thessalonian church. And like I said, just remember that, hold that and we'll, we'll, um, we'll come back to that reality. So after Paul gives them this greeting and talks to them about the importance of this idea of, hey, listen, you belong to God, spiritual intimacy, here's what he says in, um, in verse two. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you um, in our prayers. And as I read this verse, I just thought, you know, too often we try, or maybe I'll say this, maybe I try to fix people or fix people's problems before I pray for them. Paul says here, listen, we make mention of you constantly, consistently, continually in our prayers. And too often I find myself trying to think through, hey, here's what people need. Here's the information um, that they need maybe to be healthier. And and I'm realizing, you know, people don't need Dean's good ideas, right? To make them feel better. Maybe the greatest gift that you and I can give anyone else is that we pray for them. It's probably the first step towards serving them because God can do so much more than, than you and I can do. So we serve people Um, by praying for them first, primarily um, some of our church forefathers, the Puritans used to say that we should talk to God about people before talking to people about God. And Paul says, that's how we lived. That's we were prayerful for you consistently and continually. So I just wonder as we enter a new year, a new 2023, who are the people that you are praying for? Who are the people that Um, God has brought into your circle, your sphere of influence for you to minister to. And you're leading with prayer consistently, continually as God brings them to your mind and to your heart. Because what that allows for then comes up in verse three, the next verse. We remember before God, uh, before our God and father, your uh, work produced by faith, your labor prompted by faith love and your endurance inspired by hope. There's that word again, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, as Thessalonians, you are known for for three things. And I'll just, I'm, I'm gonna read them to you. Again, work produced by faith, labor prompted by love and endurance inspired by hope. Three great things that these Thessalonian Christians were known for, faith, hope, and love. And as I say those out loud, if you um, if you pay attention to, um, art and farmhouse decor uh, for um, for residential homes and things like that over the last 10 to 15 years. You see those three words a lot used in, um, in decor, faith, hope, and love. You see them, they're partnered together everywhere. And I would just say, you know what, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they didn't come up with faith, hope, uh, and love, right? This didn't come from the first book of Magnolia. This comes from the first book, or from the first book letter written to the Thessalonians, this is what they are known for. This is the calling card of the Thessalonian people. So again, it begs a question for you and me, what are we known for? Some of us are known probably more for, I don't know, career or our relational ability, our caring nature. Some of us are maybe known for coming from a certain family. Uh, some of us are known maybe for a certain educational expertise. And Paul says that the calling card of these individuals is faith, hope, um, and love. Now, where does that come from? How is that, how is that source those three things out of, out of this church? Here's what he says in verse four, the next verse For we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he, um, that he has chosen you. Um, the most important thing that can be said, I think about you and me, is that God loves us. That, that's the critical thing. Not being known for all of those other things that I, just, that I just mentioned, but the most important thing about you and me is what Paul says, listen, he says, you're brothers and sisters, I'm in Christ, and that God loves you. That is the single defining characteristic, the foundation of our, of our identity um, in Christ. So you're sitting there, you're listening, maybe you're listening uh, in your vehicle today, or maybe you're listening um, in your living room um, on the couch. And so um, this may be a little awkward, but I want you to say this out loud, Wherever wherever you're sitting, sitting in a coffee shop, stand up, say it really, really loud, right? The most important thing about me, just say it now, repeat that, is that God loves me. Let's do it again, ready? The most important thing about me is that God loves me. The most important thing about you is that you are defined by the love of God displayed in the person of Christ Jesus given for you on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. Paul says here that you are brothers and sisters loved by God and that you are chosen. Now listen, don't let the word chosen, don't let that word um, intimidate you. A lot of times whenever we come across it in the scriptures, it's it gets a little dicey uh, for us to fail, but, but but don't let the word intimidate you. God chose to love us. He set his sights, his heart on us a long time ago and chose to love us. Now, does that mean that you and I don't get to make choices? Absolutely, absolutely not. You and I have the freedom. God gives us the ability and the opportunity to make choices. But the reality is, that if God had never chosen to love us, we would never have chosen to love Him. If God would have never sent His Son to die on a cross for us, to make amends between us and Him for our sin, we would have never to choose Him. So God's choosing is more important than, than our choosing. And one of the things that we have to remember when we think about the joy and the wonder and the majesty of being chosen by God, is that we kind of have to remember uh, we kind of have to remember time that God exists not only inside of time, but outside of time. So just for illustration's sake, um, let's say that my iPad, right, is is time. And you and I, we live in time, right? Seconds to minutes, to hours, to days, to weeks, uh, to years, to decades, and to centuries. Sequentially inside of time, that is how we live. And the wonder of God is that He exists with us, right? We just celebrated that in Christmas, Emmanuel, God who is with us. God lives with us, exists with us inside of time. But there's also a new song that we're singing uh, at church as we begin a new year called, The Same God. And the idea behind the song is that, listen, we call on the God of Abraham, we call on the God of Mary, we call on the God of David, right? He is the same God. The scriptures say, same God yesterday, today, and forever. So God does not only exist in time, but he also exists before time. He he doesn't just exist before time and in time, but he also exists out here in the future. He is not beholden to time like you and I are. There's a thought, a theological thought that is going on today. Um, that God is growing and changing. It's called the open theism, that God is gaining knowledge and that God is getting better and learning. And that's absolutely not what the scriptures teach, that he was the same God back here before the foundation of the world. And he's gonna be the same God out here in the future when everything is set right in the way it ought to be. And he's the same God in here in time. The reason I say all of that to you is that if God is God out here, right, if He is God in the future, then what it means that He knows everything that's going to happen. He already knows the choices that you and I are going to make. So, words like predestined and election, all of those things are firmly, firmly rooted and based in the reality that God exists outside of time. Everything is past tense to Him. And at the same time to you and me sequentially inside of time, it looks like everything happens on the basis of human decisions and human choices. So which one of those things is true? Well, scripturally, they're both true. The scripture says that God chooses, that God elects, that God predestines. And the scripture says that you and I have the ability to choose like, well, how do those things all work together? Well, the greatest Christian, like I mentioned earlier, who ever lived, I think, was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Thessalonians. And he uses words to describe our salvation in the New Testament. And one of those words that he uses is mystery. It's a mystery. But both realities, what scripture teaches, both of those realities are true. So don't be scared, don't be intimidated by this idea that you've been chosen. Rather, see it as a gift from God that we've been loved by him, that we've been chosen by him. So that's the foundation of the formation right, of the gospel. Well, how does, that, how does that work into your daily life and my daily life? Comes up in the next verse, in verse five, he says this, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, for you know how we lived among you um, for your sake. Paul says, listen, the gospel that I brought to you came not only with words, certainly with words, but not only with words, he says it also came with power. And it's important for you and I, as we enter a new year, to remember that the gospel is primarily a power. The word in the original language is the word dunamite, where we get our word for dynamite, right? The gospel is God's dynamite power in our lives brought to us to change us, to help us, grow as we humble our, our lives underneath um, what God is bringing into our lives and the salvation and the grace and the peace that he has brought to us. So let me say this uh, to myself, not only to me, but to you, as you're watching today, um, you need to grow spiritually in 2023. You don't want to end 2023 in the same place spiritually that you begin 2023. That we humble our lives, we bring ourselves to God flawed as we are, imperfect as we are, and we ask God to do the work in us that we cannot do in ourselves to help us, uh, to help us grow uh, and change. And so what Paul says here is that the gospel came not only with words, but what does he say at the end of the verse? He says, just like we lived among you. So the gospel comes with words, But then it also comes with the ways that Paul, Silas, and Timothy lived among the Thessalonian Christians. So the gospel has both words and ways. This completely makes sense when you think about um, what Paul is trying to communicate. That if you only have a gospel with words, if that's all you have, if you have words Lots and lots of rules, lots and lots of concepts, lots and lots of ideas. Without the ways, all you really have is legalism. You're just giving people more and more rules about how they ought to do stuff. So words only, without the ways, is legalism. But the ways, in other words, just go out, be a good person, try and do nice things for people, but it doesn't really matter what you believe. Ways, without the words, is humanism. That's all based on just human effort and as much Uh, as many good things as you and I are able to accomplish, right? So Paul says, we have a gospel that is not words or ways, but it's both words and ways. And when you have a gospel that brings together both of those things, you have a gospel that brings together words and the words are empowered by the dynamite, the spirit of God at work in your life, then it changes the ways in which you live and those two things come together. And here's what uh, that does. Here's how Paul describes what can happen in verses six through eight. He says, you became imitators. Remember that word. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model. Think about that. You became the example. You became the model. You became the thing that people look to, to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia is just a broader region. The Lord's message rang out. That's a word that um, for us would mean ripple effect, for them it meant echo. Uh, Think about whenever you go to a concert in a large arena, the music um, has reverb, right? It's an an echo effect that makes the music sound like it fills a, a big space in a room. Paul says to these Thessalonian Christians an amazing thing. He says, your life, your lives have gospel reverb. It's not just you that are being changed, but as you are allowing God to change you. That is reverberating throughout your city and not just your city, but the whole region has heard about you, has heard about what about you? Faith, hope, and love displayed in the words and ways of Jesus so that, listen to what Paul says, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. That is... um, That's pretty incredible when you think, Paul, listen, we don't have to tell anybody about you. They've already heard about you because they're seeing the way that you live. What is the greatest need of the world right now? What's the greatest need of the world right now from the perspective of Christianity in the church? I would suggest to you that it is gospel hope displayed in the words and ways of Jesus, empowered by the love of God given through his son Jesus to us to such degree that we understand that we have grace and peace chosen by him, that we, are, that we are his. And as we live in that way, we don't even, the words are great. And as we teach the words, right? As we give the words and we have opportunities, but the ways and the words come together and they show and they reverberate from my life and from your life not in an either or sense, but in a both and sense. How does that happen? Paul says, you became imitators. That's the word I told you there just to check, imitators. The original word there is mimeti. It's where we get our word for mimic. Paul says, you mimicked us. You just looked at our lives and you imitated us. So that brings up a little bit of an uncomfortable question uh, for you and me. If I were to ask you, are you able in 2023 to say to someone, hey, just imitate me. The way that I do Christianity, just just mimic what I do. Now, our initial response to that is absolutely not. Like I would never tell someone to imitate me. I'm flawed, I'm imperfect, but so was Paul. I mean, you look at Paul's life, He was incredibly flawed. What Paul is saying here is not imitate my perfection, but rather imitate the way that I approach life in the midst of persecution and suffering. And we'll talk about that more next week because that comes up again in chapter two. But Paul says, in the way that I approach life with joy, why does he say, how can he say that he has joy in the midst of suffering? That's what he says about these Thessalonians because they have hope. So Paul says, imitate the way that I am hopeful in the words and the ways of Jesus, empowered by the spirit, uh, the the dynamite gospel power of God, fueled then by the love of God. Paul says, just imitate that. You and I should be able to look at a younger believer, to look at somebody from the next generation, to look at someone who's new to the faith, and say, hey, just, just imitate, mimic me. And what I do, Not perfectly, when you mess up, you apologize, you repent, you change, you grow, which is really that repentance that we want people, that we want people to imitate. So how do we do that? It's empowered by the words and the ways. So let's talk about those two things for just a second. First, let's talk about the words. When we thought about this series, we thought there was maybe no greater way to begin a new year in 2023 than intentionally reading God's Word together. So what we're gonna do throughout the series is we're gonna dig in to this book of 1 Thessalonians. We're talking about it on the weekends. We're gonna go read it devotionally, pray it uh, through during the week. So your assignment for the first week, for the next uh, seven days is to read the whole book, five chapters of 1 Thessalonians. We'll start uh, tomorrow, 1 Thessalonians chapter one, uh, read and familiarize yourself. There's a lot of different ways, right, that you can do this. I've got a number of ways uh, linked up in the notes uh, in the LifePoint app that you can go. There are links there. If you want to do it, I would recommend that you do it with a way that you can write some notes. So if you want a devotional copy of First Thessalonians where you can journal as you go, that's linked up um, in the notes. If you, uh, if you need to download the LifePoint app. If you have an iOS device, I've got a link there for you to download the app because everything really that we're going to do is you're going to be able to experience uh, there through the app. If you want a digital copy of uh, of the scriptures that you can have on your phone, I've got a link there for the version app. I'll tell you one of the things that Angie and I um, are going to do as we go through First Thessalonians is we are going to this week read the book of First Thessalonians out loud together. Now we've never done that. And um, I've Thought that through. We've talked about it a little bit, and we just thought that maybe if we read it out loud together, we'll hear it differently, and maybe it'll spur some good conversations—not just about the Thessalonians, but about us and our marriage and our family. And so that's the way that we are gonna that we're gonna approach it. Um, but this week, that's your assignment. Now, once we're done reading the whole book this week, next week we're going to come back, and then we'll break it down maybe more into bite-sized pieces because our lives are fueled spiritually by the words, right? So the word is important. So that's the word. Now then let's talk about the ways. Here's how Paul um, wraps up uh, this first chapter to the Thessalonians in verse nine, talking about the ways. He says this, for they themselves report, speaking of others in the region, what kind of reception that you gave us. They tell how you turned from turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us uh, from the coming wrath. Now, if you're listening today and you're thinking, Dean, this all sounds great, um, but you know, I've tried this before. I've tried God and nothing really, this is the perfect series uh, for you. I hear a lot when I talk to non-believers, things like, Um, man, I tried this, or I did that, or whatever, or this thing happened to me, I had this experience, and I just, there's gotta be something out there, right? Something more, something, uh, Tom Brady, for example, famously was asked in an interview. The interviewer said to him, listen, uh, you're married to a Victoria's uh, Secret Angel, or yeah, Victoria's Secret Angel supermodel. Um, You've got uh, seemingly wonderful children. Um, You have more money than you could ever spend Um, in your lifetime, um, anything that anyone would ever want. You've won multiple Super Bowls. You've been crazy successful in your career. You have everything. And Brady's immediate response was, there's gotta be something more than this. And whenever I hear people say that, whenever I hear people say, there's gotta be something more, right? When they say that, what they're saying is they're, they're looking for something that's transcendent something that's bigger, something that is abnormal to this world, something larger to be part of, something that has real eternal um, meaning. And so I guess I would say it to you this way, that the something more that people are looking for is really someone who, the something more is really someone who, someone who can bring change, real gospel, sustained change to our lives to the degree that we feel connected to a bigger meaning, value, purpose, to a bigger, broader story that's been going on since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the world. And we begin to see our place and our part in this eternal story that God is consistently unfolding. How does that happen? How do the ways of God get into our lives. Here's what Paul says in those verses. He says, well, number one, you turned away from idols. That's what he says at the end of verse nine, Um, that's weird. Because remember what I said to you all the way back at the beginning of the message. And I just said, just remember this, that it was a majority Hebrews, right? There was a lot of Hebrews who were part of the Thessalonian church, who were originally converted to help to help start this church in Thessalonica. Well, the interesting thing about that, the reason that's kind of weird is that Hebrews are monotheists. Hebrews don't worship idols. They never would have had little idol gods on their shelves, Orthodox, right? Hebrews going to the synagogue, like they would not have done that. So how can they turn away from idols if they don't worship idols? Hold that thought for a minute. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Because the other interesting thing that Paul says in these verses comes right at the end of verse 10, when he says, and he will, right? He will help you what, flee the wrath to come. Now we do not like, I said earlier, we're modern intelligent Columbusites, right? Uh, The idea that there's a coming wrath, like come on, really? Like you're just trying to scare people. You're just trying to instill fear in people. I think the reality of what Paul is saying is yes, there is a day um, out in the future, but there's also the reality of, of just the wrath of our choices and decisions. All of us have, um, we all have this little inner voice, this condemning voice. When we do things that are wrong, that reminds us, you're a jerk, you're a loser. (laughs) You should have to pay. For what you just did. This condemning voice that speaks to us. And so we have to deal with the voice. How do you quiet that voice? For many of us, most of us, a lot of us, we turn to idols, not little idol gods on our shelves, but we turn to things that are gifts from God and we make good things ultimate things. So, yeah, we're not, we're not getting a little idol off of a shelf maybe and burning a candle and, and doing that. But we run to things to quiet the voice. We run to addiction, to chemical substances, alcohol, drugs. We run to things like approval from others, others telling us okay, that everything's gonna be fine, that everything's gonna be all right. We run to our careers to keep us busy so we don't have to stop and think and listen to the voice. We have a tendency to wanna to be seen, to be known. It's a look, it's a fit, it's a whatever it is. We need enough likes. And when we get enough likes on social media, we get enough attaboys or attagirls pats on the back. Maybe it's in a sport. Maybe it's in another arena of life. We medicate and we numb the voice in any way that we can. But the problem for the Thessalonians and the problem for you and me is that our idols, they're always going to enslave us. But Paul says about these Thessalonian Christians, but you, you turned away from idols. Wait a minute, (laughs) how do they do that? How, How were they able to find a way to turn away from the things that their hearts were so attached to? Now, I just wanna read the verse. I just wanna read it to you um, again there at the end of verse nine, in the beginning of verse 10, Paul says this, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It is such a beautiful gospel that we have been given. It's a gospel where we started the message today. It's a gospel in the past and in the present and in the future. Paul says, listen, for we wait, that's present tense right now. We wait, we, we look for what? The God who rescued us, the God who in the past tense, you go back, you look backwards and you realize that God has, that God has saved us, right? And that, that helps us to do what? To look forward to what is out there, to what is coming. So the idea is past, present and future. The New Testament talks about salvation um, in that way. Ephesians 2.8, um, for by grace, you have been saved, right? That is past time action with reverberations um, into the future, but it's a past tense event. But the New Testament also says um, in, uh, in, in places uh, like Romans, for right now, you what? You are being saved, right? That that is going on. It's working its way out. It's, it's gospel growth and change. You need to grow in 2023. You need to grow spiritually, but it's not just the past and the present. It's also then in the future, Matthew 24, 13, those who endure to the end shall be future tense, the coming wrath will be saved. So that is the foundation. Then you see it of gospel, of gospel hope, so that we understand that right now in the present, I I know, I sense, I have this strong sense that God is with me. Why do I have that sense? I have that sense because I look back into my past. And as I look back into my past, I realize that when I came to know Christ, point in time, action. What happened there is that Jesus has paid the penalty for my sin. So what? So that means in the present, God is growing me, changing me as I humble myself, bring my life into alignment with him. That it's not just that he saved me from the penalty of sin, but that right now he is saving me from the power of sin in the present. And that gives me faith then to look forward based on the past and what I know of my present. Then I look forward, to the future and I understand that there is coming a day where because he saved me from the penalty of sin in the past, I'm seeing victory in my life personally right now over the power of sin that someday, God will then save me from the presence of my sin out into the future someday when everything is gonna be set right. Sin is gonna be eliminated. Everything's gonna be the way that it's supposed to be, the way that it should be, minus my sin, your sin, the choices that we make and that others have made in our lives, that that condemning voice will be crushed by gospel hope. You see the power that that brings into into our lives and how it helps us see and imagine a better future. There was a young lady at one of our LifePoint campuses who kind of at the end of the year, she started to reflect a little bit about um, what God had done in her life. Uh, We'll call her Camille. I'll I'll share with you just a little bit of the email uh, that she sent to us. She says, I'm writing this uh, email because you baptized me at the beginning of the year. And as we start to wrap up 2022, I just look back at how grateful I am that I started this journey. If you remember, I knew nothing about faith before I started between today and last year, and the difference is just incredible. Some highlights, she says, from my year, the first time that I shared the gospel with a stranger. I did it using an acronym that you shared at church from a sermon about GRASP. And I wrote it down on a tissue and she kept it things like reading my Bible uh, before bed and then getting up and reading my Bible during breakfast. I just wanna say thank you that I've grown uh, so much and I can't wait to grow more in the coming year. And when she finishes up her email, she attaches a P.S., She says, P.S., if you ever wanted to share this, to show people that it's possible to start from scratch, I would love that. Because everyone deserves to know what this love feels like. And I can't say it any better than she says it. Everyone deserves to know that they are loved by God. The most important thing about you, the most important thing about me is that God loves me because he has chosen you, but he's not just chosen you. He's empowered you with this, dynamite power to see a life that can grow and to transform and change by investing your life in the words and the ways of Jesus. And as you do that, you're turning your heart away from idols. And as you're doing that, it gives you hope. It gives you the ability that you look back at your past, saved from the penalty of sin. You are being saved, set apart, sanctified. You're growing in victory over the power of sin, which reminds us, you and me, that as we live through difficult, dark days, tough times, crises, and circumstances, that come into our lives that someday we will be saved from the presence of sin. Praise God for what an incredible gospel of hope that he has given to us. Let's pray together. God, there are gonna be moments in our lives this year some of which we may have some context for right now, but most of which we don't know about right now. We don't have any context for them. And so God, we pray for people that we know, we pray for God the people that we don't know that are going to come in to our lives this year. Like Paul says, we pray continually for you. We want to talk to you about the people that we're going to meet. We want to see the world differently, God. That we would be used. Uh, we would use our human agency for Your grace, goodness, and glory, and not for our own. The most important thing, God, about us is not our fit. It's not our look. It's not about our intention or our career. The most important thing about us is that You love us and that you chose us before the foundation of the world. God, help us to be a people who live out of, who live from your love as we look at a new year. Thank you for hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we begin to think about how we're gonna approach Um, a new year, maybe today God has spoken to you about taking hope steps. Uh, We would love to help you in the process. Maybe today uh, is the day for you where you're taking that first step towards gospel. The first step of bringing your life into alignment with God based on the death of his uh, son, Jesus, for for you and for your sins. Um, And maybe today you're taking that step. Maybe today um, you want to take a step and just reach out and connect Uh, based on something that's going on in your life. And you would like to let us know about ways that we can pray for you as a church family come alongside you. Maybe uh, like Camille uh, did this past year, you're saying, you know what? I've already aligned my life with Christ, but I've never gone public um, with my faith. We do that through something called baptism. And we would love to have a first conversation with you about taking that step of living a life on gospel reverb that reverberates to the world about who uh, you really are. You can do all of those things. You can connect with us in all of those ways just by going to lpguest.com. And there's a button there that says next steps. I talked to you about lpguest.com at the beginning of the service. Just go to that same place, um, that same location, click on the next steps button and let us know how we as a church family uh, can pray for you, how we can come along uh, side of you, minister to you um, in any ways that we can. Before um, we wrap up by worshiping together today, I do want to just remind you this week, your assignment, read all of 1 Thessalonians, a chapter a day, um, just to familiarize yourself uh, with the book. And then this coming Sunday, um, we're gonna break it down again into bite-sized pieces um, and uh, we'll dig in together throughout the rest of the series. Once again, we are super, super grateful for you. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining us today. And I hope you're leaving today with that, with that sense of hope.